Okay, hi everyone. My name is PK, and I'm joined here by the lovely Ashley Goodchild, which I'm super. I was telling her before. I was really grateful for her to to make time in this episode, this really special episode. So many of you ask me how to buy interstate. You're in Sydney. You're in Melbourne. You want to buy in Brisbane. You want to buy in Perth. You want to buy in Adelaide. Other regional areas. How do we actually do that physically, practically? without needing a buyer's agent. You know, like what is the difference between a property manager and a real estate agent? Why is the property manager the most important person in your team? And how can you buy completely remotely and actually trust that the due diligence process for a property will be sound and watertight? We're gonna be talking about these things, but Ashley has been in the PM or property management space. She runs her own um, company called Soko Real Estate. She's been doing it for around 20 years. So I think she was saying from the point at which she was a teenager, she you know, started and built her own business, clearly passionate about it, which you guys will see in a second. Um, and she's serviced, I don't know how many, like probably dozens, I don't want to put a number to it, of, of my clients. And, you know, those of you who've, who've you know, received her help will recognize her in Perth. So she's based in Perth, services all of Perth. In this episode, I just really want to deep dive on how to buy interstate without using a buyer's agent. So thank you so much, Ashley, for, for making the time. Lovely. Thanks for having me, PK. Do you want to achieve wealth and passive income through property investing? PK Gupta, host of Oz Property Investment Mastery, will help you achieve passive income by buying top 5% growth and positive cash flow property and building a portfolio using data without you wasting months of time doing research, spending weekends at inspections, or dropping ten dollars to $20,000 on buyer's agents each time. So if you are confused and overwhelmed by the amount of contradictory information available online and don't know where to start, then this show is for you. We were talking about it before, but it still baffles me that people don't actually know what a property manager does. They often think that a property manager is the same thing as a real estate agent. And of course, you need a real estate license to operate as a PM. But can you just tell us what you do and how is that different from a real estate agent? Yeah, so a real estate agent is, well, in, in WA, we call them sales reps. So they are the ones that do what I consider the, the short-term contract and you purchase the property from them. And then as soon as the property settles, generally, that's when the relationship with them stops. The property manager, I consider to be a bit more like a marriage. It's a long-term relationship that you've got with us. And we manage everything to make the process of having a rental property as easy and as smooth as it can be. Because I think if you have an investment and if it's a headache for you and it's too hard to manage and your property manager isn't doing the right job, then it's a very easy reason just to sell it and not be bothered with property anymore. And I hate when that happens. Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. And like I often tell my clients, actually I teach this and and even if, you know, people are watching this who aren't my clients, you're wondering, how do we buy interstate? And I always say, look, you need a really solid, reliable, honest, competent property manager on the ground. You need to use data to select the suburb. You need to use data to select the property. But then they, the property managers, can do all the uh, the due diligence in terms of inspections and things like that, most of the time completely free, you know, which not, not many people know. Um, and then people often ask me, Ashley, like, oh, well, how can we trust them? Like, and I often say, well, there's good people and bad people in every profession. But even if I was to fly to Perth and inspect a property that I wanted to buy, like I would look at the walls. Maybe I would look at whether there's nice grass on the lawns. 
Whereas you're going to be looking at things like plumbing, electricity, electricity, moisture, uh, stumps, you know, drainage, the things that actually matter. So if you could maybe explain, Ashley, um, how you provide service to property investors after they bought their property in terms of managing the property, which is, of course, your core business. But then this kind of black hole, which no one knows about, how do you provide a service or what do you do for property investors looking for properties, you know, that haven't bought yet? Are you able to do that? Yeah, yeah. So we'll start off with that first because you, what I'm finding in the industry is that if you ask a sales rep that, of a property that you're interested looking in and looking at, if you ask that sales rep what is the rent return, nine times out of ten that sales rep is going to give you an inflated price. Yeah. They just do. I don't think they do it maliciously, but they do. So that's the first problem that you've got is if you trust a rental appraisal by a sales rep, it's not their profession. Don't trust that opinion. Always get an independent property manager to give you um, that rental appraisal. But you've also got to remember that that sales agent is there acting for their client to sell the property for the best dollar. That is exactly the opposite of what you're wanting. You're wanting to get the best property for the lowest. So that is where an independent property manager can come in and give you an independent opinion on the property. So there are things that we experience and that we know just by being in the industry. So what I'm finding a lot of at the moment with um, working with your clients and with uh, real estate agents is that there's a lot of properties that have uh, extensions and patios that are not council approved. So we can check to that client about the risks of buying a property um, without the council approved. I can also tell you what property is easy for a tenant to live in. When you're purchasing a property, I want the property to be nice and easy. I want the gardens to be simple. I don't want there to be massive landscape gardens all the time. I want the fence lines to be um, a decent height. I want, I know what tenants are looking for when they're looking for a property. So I'm the best person or a property manager is the best person to give that opinion. I'm finding things like uh, water, um, um, water ingress in the walls adjacent to the shower. It's a really big thing at the moment in some of these areas. And as a property manager, I can confidently say to a client, listen, it's not the end of the world. It's not a big drama, but it's going to cost you about this to fix it. And if you don't fix it, this is what's going to happen and this is the risk. Uh, it's that type of information that a property manager can give you. Um, I can tell you that in some areas, a three by one versus a four by two is going to be better. If we go for a four by two, there's a lot of families looking, that property is going to be really um, easily to be leased. And there's times in some areas where a three by one is actually not a bad option as well. Yeah. But that is all from experience, from dealing with tenants and property management every every day and also seeing where people have gone wrong, investors have gone wrong in buying because maybe it only had one living area, maybe the bedrooms were too small, maybe it had no robes, et cetera. So that advice um, is coming from somebody on the ground. Now, like you said, there's there's prop, there's good and bad um, people in every profession. Yeah. Um, I consider myself to be one of the good ones in property so management. <laughs> so, and, and that pretty much comes down to the fact that 
a good property manager is not going to tell an owner that there's a good investment just because I want to get a listing. Mm-hmm. It's making sure that that property is the best option for that client. Now, I can look at 10 properties for a client, have no problems at all, as long as I make sure that I've got the best one and that I have looked at the whole um, the, the risk assessment of, um, of that property for the client. So I know that I'm confident in that. Then if we move, that's why a property manager is so important with the buying stage. Um, Like I said before, your clients are pretty good at negotiating. They don't actually need help with that. I'm confident that they're fine, but they definitely do need that help of, okay, listen, I think this property is going to need a full paint and a full paint will roughly cost you about $4,000 in this house. So budget for that. And the other good thing as well as that, what we're doing is when it comes to putting an offer in the property, actually utilising that rental appraisal that I've given you to decide on what offer because the demand at the moment in Perth is so high. I don't want any of your clients to be uh, tempted to um, tempted in an option or a set date sale to pay too much. So I would say to a client, listen, this property, I wouldn't pay any more than 380000 for it because the rent return is only this. Yeah. So it can definitely help when you're negotiating to make sure that you don't overpay for a property. I, th- I think that's just a really good point. I just want to, to pick up on yeah. as well, Ashley, because like if you're an investor <clears throat> and you want to buy a property, you want to be able to do the numbers, you know, figure out the yield, which obviously requires figuring out the rent before you negotiate before you buy but you can't just go online and take the average rent for the suburb like you know there's nuance between streets nuance between properties so like even if i'm and this is a real story even in in brisbane where i live when i've bought properties i still have had a property manager to do that due diligence for me so i can know exactly you know within the ten dollars how much rent i'm going to get because when I inspect the properties, like once again, I'm just looking at whether I'd like to live there, which is inconsequential, really. It's about the numbers and the, um, you know, the actual fidelity of the property. So the property manager does that for me, even in Brisbane. So I just want to tell people that if you're not sure how to do the numbers, it's the property manager who actually does that for you in terms of the rent. They can do a much better job. Actually, someone like Ashley can do a much better job than any amount of data that you get off the internet. They will tell you to the T exactly how much you can get. And in fact, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong on this one, Ashley, but buyers agents who are like national buyers agents, they also have a network of property managers who do their inspections for them. So this way you're just building that relationship directly. Sorry, I cut you off, but I just yeah, wanted no, to no, no. And, and absolutely. And I've got three, um, three property advisory companies over East that refer their business to me. So exactly, they do do their due diligence to a certain extent, but they always get me in to do, still to do the in-person viewing and to do that, um, that rental appraisal as well for them. So yeah, absolutely. Um, it's, definitely something we get involved with quite heavily. Um, and, and at the end of the day, if I am potentially going to be looking after that property, I would like to have an input into, mm-hmm. into which one you buy ultimately. Yeah. And, yeah. and so that's the, the, the intention as well with me um, being very, very honest with my opinion. And, that, and that's the other thing as well, right? Like let's, let's even say for a second that someone's thinking, oh, look, Ashley just wants the business. You know, someone like Ashley just wants the business. The property manager is obviously going to say that the property is hunky-dory. They're going to just tick, 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 tick so that you buy it and you give them the business and they make money for the next 10, 20 years. But in reality, 
what's going to happen is if Ashley misses something or she, I'm not, sorry, I just mean yeah, yeah, negative, yeah. but you know, like yeah. purposely says something wrong, that's going to come back to bite, you know, that person in the bum because Absolutely. the one's managing it. So if they've missed that obvious moisture issue, then me as the property investor in three years time, when it, you know, kind of, you know, brings up its ugly head, I'm going to be like, oh, Ashley, but did you see that when you inspected the property? And so there's that, it's not a transaction with property managers. It's a long-term relationship. I just, I really, whoever you deal with in real estate, make sure there's an incentive for them, not for it to be a transaction, but a long-term relationship. So yeah, I just wanted to really make that point as well. Yeah. And it's definitely an accountability um, that that's present by a property manager during the inspection. Um, Another thing that I've seen as well with a lot of the clients is uh, where we can be a great help because we're unbiased is we've been helping a lot with um, interpreting the building inspection. So again, that your client's getting the the building inspection and then they, they ask, you know, um, is the seller responsible for this and this and this? And then I can actually say to them, listen, they're only responsible to do that and that. And then they can confidently go to the sales rep and say, these are the items I feel should be covered under my contract. Can you um, rectify these before settlement? So that's one thing that I'm finding is um, is really good to have that independent property manager just to bounce off those ideas so that you don't feel like you are um, you know, making those decisions on your own to the sales rep who is completely biased against. Yeah, um, I didn't the, know the they company. were actually doing that, Ashley. <laughs> that's good to yeah. learn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that's a great, it's almost like you have like a friend on the ground, even though you're 10,000 kilometers away, you have a friend on the ground that's kind of there in the best interest of you. Yeah, that, that's exactly what it is. And um, and I've also had properties where I haven't necessarily managed it, but they've also then seeked my advice when it comes to the renting marketing. And I'm more than happy to do that because it's just in my nature to, to be helpful anyway. So it's, um, yeah, there's a lot of that going on. That's where I'm seeing the support of the property manager is so important, um, which is great. So if we go into, I guess, the trust of a property manager um, managing a property, I would say, again, there's good ones and there's bad ones, but the best thing that someone could actually do is to check out the Google reviews um, for the business. That's probably my first thing. I consider a good rating to be anything from about 4.3 plus. Um, and you, you really want to make sure that that property um, agency has good reviews, number one. Um, the second thing that I'm not getting asked the questions, your, your clients ask a lot of questions, but they're not asking how the property is being managed. So there's different ways of managing a property and you don't know what you don't know. So unless I tell you, you're not going to know that there was the option. So you've got portfolio managed and then you've got task-based management. And it's a great question to ask because portfolio management is what um, most of my clients prefer, actually all my clients prefer. And it's because we're responsible for everything from the start to the end and the accountability again is there. So it means that my team or myself, when we first market a property, we're responsible for the marketing. We're responsible for the viewings and having a look at the people coming through. We're responsible for the application processing and then for helping you make a decision over the, the who we should select as the best tenant and then for managing the property and we do everything, the maintenance, the inspections, the whole lot. That is, in my opinion, a better way to manage. It's not a right or wrong. It's just I prefer that method and my clients prefer that method. 
but you've also got task based. Now, task based might be that you've got one, a BDM, who is the person that maybe your client's been in touch with, and they bring the new business into the real estate agency. Yeah. Then they pass the property onto a leasing consultant who stereotypically is a, is a young 20-something-year-old female. Um, they would do your viewings. Now, they don't necessarily have the life skills to sometimes decide whether someone coming through is of good character or not good character. Then they pass it on to the property manager who then calls your client, your owner, and says, this is who's come through. Now, they haven't met the person. They're just going based on the application. So yes, the application is important because we've got their references and their work employment, but we actually haven't been able to give the owner a true uh, opinion of the character of that person. And the character of the person is very, very important as well because we want them to be a good human being. So that part in the process gets missed. Then you've got someone who goes out and does the initial report and then someone who does the inspections. And sometimes there's a separate person who deals with maintenance. But what it means is that there are separate people dealing with your property and there's no accountability and there is not that one strong relationship that you're building. And so I'm very passionate on portfolio management for that reason. So it's a question that should be asked. And um, like I I do stress, there's not a right or a wrong. It's just that I feel that a portfolio-based management is more important because at the end of the day, if we can get that, tenant the right tenant in your property that is gold like that literally is 99% of your problems sorted yeah exactly it seems that the portfolio method is a bit more personal um, and the task-based things can slip through the cracks with kind of miscommunication or Chinese whispers or or whatever what have you I I really find that I mean some of my properties across Australia I've had the same tenant for like five years six years And it's kind of weird, but the property manager almost really knows them as a friend. I mean, not like a friend, but they know so much about them that even without the um, tenant saying they'll probably move out next year, the, the PM, the property manager has already got that inkling and they've already told me as a landlord. And so I'm already thinking about, okay, well, what's the market appraisal? Should I use the next year to do renovations? You know, all these types of things. I, I'm, I'm really a big fan of that <clears throat> more personal approach. I mean, as, as the industry grows, as there's more and more demand, you know, I can see how a specialist approach can make sense as well. You know, division of labor and all that kind of thing, but the sort of old fashioned way, I don't know, it's my preference anyway. Yeah, and, and I would question um, the, the portfolio-based is very client-driven. So yeah. that um, is, is very important to know where the task-based, I would question that it's actually better for the agency, not for the client. And there's a big difference with that. So maybe the larger <clears throat> agencies, it is better for them to be on that task-based. But in my opinion, that's a business decision, not client um, and the other thing I was just going to touch on as well with tenants, while we do act on behalf of the owner and the decisions are always made in the best interest of the owner, do not be afraid of your property manager creating a really good relationship with your tenant. And don't ever think that a property manager is taking sides with the tenant or anything like that. Well, they shouldn't be. However, I can tell you that tenants who have a good property management relationship will do whatever they can to make the property manager's life easy, which in turn 
makes the um, the landlord's life easier. So to give you an example, I've got a property and the uh, my property manager could recognise that the tenant was really struggling um, from a mental health point of view. Her partner was FIFO. And so my property manager actually made sure that each inspection she did, she spent a little bit more time with her, had a coffee with her and, um, and created that healthy relationship. Sometimes she catches up with her in between because she can see that she um, needs a bit of extra support. But in turn, what happens is when maintenance comes up, they would call us and say, listen, our letterbox has fallen down. Are you happy for us just to repair it ourselves? They do a lot of maintenance because they've got such a great relationship with a property manager. They don't want to bother her with the little stuff. They handle their maintenance. And in turn, we've got an owner that doesn't have to worry about it because their tenants are looking after the property well. So that is an example of really looking after your tenant or the property manager looking Mm. after your tenant, it's going to make the journey a lot easier for a landlord. That's amazing. Thanks so much for sharing that because I think it's just kind of like the human side of property investing, having a a tenant that people don't always think about. Um, I I think that property investing is a business, right? And you got to take care of your people. The tenants are like the people that are paying your rent. So you shouldn't treat them as commodities. I even... I've personally not done this myself. I, I don't want to um, claim the glory, but I know people who even send flowers to their tenants, you know, on Christmas or birthdays or things like that, just to kind of have that that rapport and maintain that relationship. And and I guess if we kind of just, you know, one of the key things that I know a lot of potential clients, probably thousands, if not tens of thousands of potential investors worry about is if I buy interstate or in a region or city that I don't know about and there is maintenance issues, there's plumbing or drainage or whatever that needs to be done, I can't go and see that property. I can't go visit that property. How am I going to get it under control? Like there's this kind of psychological confirmation bias that I need to be able to drive that property to feel that I'm in control or or feel that I can sleep at night. Like, you know, you're the expert at this, Ashley. Could you like practically, like physically tell us what you do when there is, let's say, a toilet blockage or when there's a leaky faucet or, you know, what, like, what is it that you do that can give, you know, some solace to investors that actually I can buy outside my backyard and it is okay. You know, can you just take us through that? Well, well number one, that's why you pay a management fee to handle all of that. So your, your property manager is responsible for all the maintenance and quotes and all of that on your property. I do like to make sure, though, that there's that we take as much pressure off the landlord as we can. So to give you an example, um, plumbers and electricians and handymen, I keep three of each trade on our books. And the reason why I keep three of each trade, and this is to create confidence for the landlords out there that are concerned, I don't want to put all my eggs into one basket with one trading because, number one, they'll start putting their prices up and I've got no one to compare them to. And I find that, like with plumbers, I've got a plumber who's an old retired man, um, sole trader. He's really good at your block toilets, your your leaking taps, really small jobs he's fine at. But I also have another plumber who gets better deals than hot water systems and I have another plumber who has a drainage machine who, if there's a tree root problem, he can do that very easy and cheaply. If I got 
the retired man who likes to repair leaking taps to go do a tree root problem, number one, he's slower because it's a pretty crap job to do. And number two, he would have to hire a drainage machine, which can cost be more expensive for the client. So it's important to be really well educated as a property manager on why I would use a certain person. Now, ultimately, our policy in our office is to contact the owner for all maintenance. So we've got an issue. I would call the owner and say, listen, um, toilet's blocked. It happened again six months ago. It was tree roots last time. I want to send out the plumber again, but at the same time, I'm going to get him to quote on doing PVC pipes so that we don't have this ongoing problem every six months and then arrange it. If I can't get a hold of the owner and it's it's necessary, it's plumbing, it's electric, electrical, you've got to get your toilet done anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, I would I would leave a message for the client and say, listen, just letting you know, I have had to organise a plumber for you, but call me back if you've got any questions. And then I would organise it. If it was something that was non-urgent, maybe kitchen cupboard door hinge or a blind that's fallen down, I wouldn't go and jump on that. I would leave a message for the owner and wait for him to call me back. But there's also owners on our portfolio that don't want to be contacted for anything and they want to set a limit. And so they can set a limit for $300 and they can say, Ash, anything under $300, plumbing, electrical, don't bother me about it, just do it. And that's fine. It's no worries at all. Um, and it, so your, the service that you're wanting from your property manager should be bespoke enough for you to have that arrangement. And that's where portfolio management is important because we've got that relationship. I know exactly what you like. If we've got a property owner where they are a little bit more specific um, and are, are really sensitive when it comes to maintenance, then, um, for example, my staff, know that they can speak to me about something that's urgent. They can say, I can't get hold of the owner, but this is really, really urgent and I'm worried the owner's going to be upset if I arrange it. Then I make that executive decision of, yes, it has to be done or no, it doesn't. So it's really knowing the clients and um, it's also understanding their intention with the property. So you might have clients at the moment, I've got some that are looking at development properties. Now, if they're looking at it, if they've got a development property and I know that their intention is to bulldoze it in 12 months' time, I'm not going to go and arrange expensive maintenance or bits and pieces because that's a waste of their money. So you need to know that of the client so that you can make the best decision for them. But if you've got a property where I know their intention is to rent it out for five years, then it's a different story. So it's really important to have that, um, to know each other well enough so that we can make it easy for you. What I also like to do is um, make sure that I am well-educated from a maintenance point of view so that I can also give you an opinion. Nothing annoys me more than property managers who forward an email on from a tenant to an owner and say, what would you like me to do? It's like, like, where's the insight? Where's the value add? Absolutely. You know, you're just a messenger system if you're going to be doing that. I, I want, like my staff will email or I will email to say, hey, just letting you know that you've got a blocked toilet and these are our options, option one, option two. I would probably do option two. Is that okay to proceed? Yeah. That's what clients want. They want that. Um, and that's what you're paying for. You're paying for that extra knowledge. Um, and just to even take it one step further, I know at the moment that SuperX little um, electric hot water systems the amount of people that contact us at winter time to say my hot water system's not working, but from experience, I know 
that those systems, you have to have a shower in the evening because in the morning, the pipe work is so cold, the system doesn't warm them up long enough. So now if a tenant calls up to say they've got no hot water and I know that that's a super X system, I'm not going to call the owner and say to the owner, hey, I've got to send someone out because there's nothing that they can do about it. Yeah. I say to the tenant, listen, it is a fault of those systems or not a fault, it's a flaw of those systems. I want you to start trying to have showers in the evening. I'm sorry to have to ask you when to, or tell you when to have showers, but can you have a shower in the evening because the pipe work will warm up during the day and you'll find that you'll be able to have a hot shower. If I send out a plumber, there literally will be a call out and it'll be an expense for you because yeah. there's nothing we can do. I don't have I don't have to call the owner to have that discussion. I can take that off their plate and deal with that directly. Yeah. I I don't I don't need to stress the owner out with every little single thing if I can deal with it myself. So that's my approach to maintenance, and that's what makes a good property manager versus a messaging system, or what I like to call a glorified admin person, which is what otherwise you're paying for. Yeah. No. I mean, you said it out how it is. <laughs> um, yes. it's, that's the truth. And when you have a property manager like that, um, and especially one thing that I know that you you probably do, and and my the property managers that I use here on the east coast do as well, is when you have similar jobs that are non-urgent, you wait till they add up, and then you send a handyman, let's say, all together in one go. So the call out fee and everything is like more efficient. And when you have property managers like exactly what Ashley has described, then from a property investor perspective, I'm not exaggerating. Um, I don't know if you're an investor yourself, Ashley, but I can definitely say from my experience, you know, I have nine resi properties, excluding the commercial ones. I probably spend less than four hours a year on each property. I'm, I'm not exaggerating less than four hours a year, unless I'm renovating or something like that. It's literally someone like Ashley sends me a, <clears throat> an email saying this needs to be done. I replied, thanks, Ashley approved. That's basically it. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I'm not including tax time. That's, that's a real yeah. pain, but um, you know, apart from tax time, less than three or four hours a year. So this is truly passive and, and you can only get that if you have a property manager that fits the bill exactly like Ashley is describing. For those of you who are like, you know, I don't want to buy interstate or outside Melbourne, Sydney, where I live, because I want to be able to touch and feel the property. That's just a confirmation bias. It's a psychological um, factor. It's not reality. Um, and, and actually, maybe just to kind of maybe finish off, um, I just wanted to, to say, how can investors make your life easier? So how, what do, can my clients do? What can I do? What can my audience do to get not only the best service from you, but also make your life easier or a property manager's life easier? Because in turn, that will just benefit us as well. Yeah, I think they definitely, um, <coughs> they're definitely asking the right questions at the moment. Um, I think rather than um, if I was going to be completely honest, they're all pretty good. I guess you're all really good, but probably being less checklist like, so we've got a lot of checklists and stuff yeah. and maybe um, really not being, not being afraid to have even a video conversation and tell me how many investments you have. Tell me if you've got any in Perth, what's your history been like with owning properties? Have you dealt with a property manager before? Um, Having um, what's your what's like oh, this is what I want to know. What's your long term intention? Do you plan to um, to buy it and sell it in a couple of years? Do you prefer to um, buy it and develop it? Is this a long term hold? All of that to me is more important 
to find out as opposed to the whole does it have built-in robes, does it have ceiling fans, does it have gas cooking, that to me I don't think you need to worry about personally. Um, I mean, of course, if you send me through a checklist, I'll answer it and, and do it, but it's not what's important from an investment point of view. Um, I, um, yeah, it's really important for me to really get to know your intention behind buying it. And, um, and yeah, the, the, um, you know, do you have money to spend on a property or do you need it to be covering all your expenses? I, yeah. I Because if I know that, then when I go and look at a property for you, I know to make sure that I get a property that doesn't need anything done. If you're someone that says, listen, I don't mind spending 20000 on when I buy a property, I just want to get a really cheap deal. Yeah. Okay, that's a different property for you. You can look at that property that they want to sell with um, no building inspection report or any, any special conditions and you're aware of that risk because you're getting a good deal. Um, that, to me, is very, very important to get to know you and get to know um, how we can best find you a property. But the yeah. but that's me being picky, PK. No, I, so I, like, <laughs> what I'm hearing is like those tactical questions are almost like a hygiene factor, like someone yeah. like you is, of course, going to look at them, but it's more about getting to know each other. So it's yeah. like a strategic relationship going forward. Correct, because that is um, that affects the type of tenant I put in your property. Yeah. That affects the maintenance that we do on your property and my opinion of the maintenance. And it also um, is um, important because it helps me negotiate a tenant for you. So if I know that you would rather take $10 less per week but have a two-year lease, that's different than someone who maybe is so focused on the rent that they will take that six-month tenant because they're willing to pay a higher rent that helps me negotiate the right tenant for you if I know that information. That is, um, for me, super important. Awesome. Thank you so much, so much for sharing. And, um, and I mean, there's so many things that, that we haven't covered today, like how to really find a top-notch property manager from scratch. I mean, you mentioned Google reviews, but there's so many other things to look at. We didn't talk about how to find a good tenant or how to assess whether a tenant is good or not. We didn't talk about how to renovate a property and increase the rent, different strategies around increasing rental. And, and guys, I just want to maybe lastly just make this point that you can buy anywhere across Australia from your home, literally without leaving your home. I have a network of property managers nationally, people exactly like Ashley, top-notch, um, that will do that due diligence for you on the ground. You know, can't trust realestate.com photos. But if anyone is buying properties in Perth, I actually am going to ask you about the Perth market in a second. Yeah. If anyone's going to, um, is buying properties in Perth, Ashley is the property manager that I recommend to my clients. And so free tip, Soko Realty, Ashley Goodchild. It's a, you know, it's as if you were a client, go to her, she'll take care of you. But lastly, Ashley, what, I mean, so many people on the, on the fence, you know, Perth, highly cyclical, what if mining goes bust again, all this kind of stuff. What would you, well, I know you're a property manager. Um, maybe if you kind of just put on a, a investor hat or a manager plus investor hat, or just like a Perth citizen hat, um, what's your view on the Perth property market? Yeah, our Perth market has always been relatively stable. I, um, I think- Are you talking I, about rents here or- Rents, or yeah, rents. yeah, rents, rents, yeah. Um, they've been not bad. I am just, at the moment, what I'm seeing is 
people taking advantage, landlords taking advantage of the rental market and thinking that it's such a boom market, I can put any dollar on my property and get it. And the truth is you can't. So tenants are not prepared to overpay for a property. So I think that they, um, that uh, that is a big problem we're having with landlords at the moment. So making sure that you are priced correctly. And I also am um, suggesting at the moment that clients are looking at the suburb um, and seeing how many properties are available for rent in each suburb. And if there's some suburbs, there's only three properties, then that's a real big supply and demand. And maybe you can put a cheeky little price on it and see how it goes. But if there's a, uh, a suburb where on the internet there's 30 properties available, you can't be so cheeky because you're just not going to get it. And if I can, um, if it's okay, just quickly share a story about sure. why being well-priced is so important. I listed a property for one of your clients and we listed it for 425. I was thinking the rent return was 425 to 450, but we did 425. And within the first 24 hours, I had eight people booked in for the first home open. And we leased it straight away, but we had offers in, we had five applications and we had offers for 440 and 450 per week for this property. Now we're finding that 30% of people that are viewing properties are applying for it. So statistically, that's what we're finding. However, that owner did really well accepted. We ended up accepting the 440 per week proper, um, figure prior to settlement, which is great. However, if we had advertised that for 450 per week, I wouldn't have had a large home open. I may have only had two or three people through the first home open and I may have not got any applications because the demand isn't there. You know, you're not going through a property with lots of people, so there's no rush to put an application in. So that would be a real big tip that I've got for clients um, looking. Don't be afraid to be conservative because the market will pay more if it's there and you never have to worry about underselling your property in this market because they will. So I um, like to use that as an example of why pricing a property right, if anything, just a little smidgen of being conservative if you're not sure and how you can actually still get the best dollar for your property. And also, more importantly, get a choice of application. Like this client had three applications. He could now choose. He didn't feel pressured to go ahead with the one application that came through because that's the only one we had. He yeah. got to really choose who he wanted living in that property. And <clears> that <throat> is just as important as um, as, as, as anything. So that yeah. is um, a bit of what's happening in Perth. It is still a strong market. I do get, uh, you know, I've got some properties where there might be 20 or 30 people booked in for a home open and then others, there's zero. So, and that's very reflective of the suburbs and the supply and demand in the suburb and yeah. very reflective of the owners that are being a little bit cheeky. So don't, don't um, think that the market's so hot that you can throw a price in because you can't. Yeah, I'm so glad you said that. I'm so glad you said that because like always, suburb selection, not just for price growth, but for rental appetite, the rental market is important. Perth is, you know, is all kind of last five years was a weak market. As everyone knows, it's come a long way. It's more balanced to, to warm, to hot now, but there's markets within markets, right? I think, as you know, Ashley, we're only buying in maybe three pockets or three clusters um, it's very important to get that right, not only for capital growth, but to actually get that rental income consistent, get that rental income rising every year, and actually to get a tenant. Okay, so 
Oh, can I add one more thing in? Um, so also just to update um, your clients on existing renewals. So tenants who have been in the property, we're finding that the um, if their lease is due to be renewed, we're seeing increases between $20 to $40 per week. So that should give them a, an, um, a, an example of what's going on ongoing as well. And it's also interesting to remember that the prices still aren't as high as 2014. Right. So I feel that we've got a lot of room to grow when it comes to the rental um, rental growth for the, for the Perth area. Yeah, for sure. And that's not a small thing, like $20 to $40, that's like $1,000, $2,000. You know, that um, it just takes a few years of that for passive income to real start that adding up, especially then when you multiply that across four, five, six properties over the course of a journey. So, um, but thank you for, for allowing me to kind of pick your brains. Um, Ashley, I, I really appreciate it. Anything else that you'd like to, to add? No, no, th- th- those topics that you said sound absolutely wonderful. And I, um, I, I hope everyone would be interested in hearing more um, from on the ground, um, what's going on and how to um, have a property manager look after your property because it's, there's so much to cover and um, it'll be great to, great to be on again. For sure. And Ashley is very active, I must say, on LinkedIn. I think that's where you're the most active, if I'm yeah. not mistaken. So go check her out there. Soko Realty, I can't rate it enough. Thanks so much, Ashley. Thanks, PK. See you guys.